reason or another. Not quite sure what it is, but have a, it is. Standing tends to be one of the more difficult moments for me. I had a great weekend last weekend at our NAB Triennial Conference in Edmonton. Uh, previous to that, I enjoyed uh, four days with my wife at our, our trailer in the Cusp, B.C. And we went to a little church there. It was a, it was a great little church, not very big, maybe 40 people. But it was a wonderful experience to be there with them. When I go on my holidays or when I go to the camp, one of the things I love to do is golf. I just love the sport. Am I good at it? Just ask Jeff. I'm not very good at it. But I'm learning every day maybe to be a little better. Golf is a unique sport. Whoever designed the golf course also gave it some instructions. We call it par. That's the number of strokes it takes from hitting the ball off the green to putting in the hole at the other end. And par means if you do it within the number of strokes that the designer intended it to do, you're a par golfer. Par golf is an average golfer. Well, you could be below par golfer, and you could maybe do two or three holes below par, and they're called birdies, and you're an even better golfer. You're above average. But if you go over par, like me, you're a bad golfer. I always try to beat my own score, but I never get it there. I've said in the bulletin this morning, I wonder if Jesus, if Jesus was here today, would he be a golfer? Would Jesus like to golf? I often ask myself that. I don't know. I don't really suspect there's going to be a golf course in heaven, but I could be surprised. But everybody there will get par. Par, a unique word. A unique word, P-A-R for par. This morning I want to cover with you two chapters in the book of Luke. So we may not get out of here until the Ethiopian service starts. But I'm going, to, I'm going to use the word par, each letter of the word par, to address what I believe is what God would want us to do as a church and become as a church. I don't know if, if uh, Carl, when he was taking painkillers, got dry, but my mouth just seems to be like sawdust. The first parable I want to talk about, or the first story I want to talk about, and I don't want to read these parables through. I just want to highlight some of the truth about them. And the first one, when we find in, in Luke chapter 15, is the parable of the lost sheep. Now we understand that, or I understand that this story really is talking about a shepherd 
who has a number of sheep. Probably a hundred, but we don't know for sure. But he had, he, had a, he had a herd of sheep. Is that what you call a bunch of sheep? No? Flock? Flock for sheep? I thought that was the only things that flew. He had a flock of sheep. But one of his sheep strayed off on his own. And the story tells it that this shepherd was so concerned about that sheep that strayed off, he left the 99 behind, unprotected, to go after the lost sheep. I don't know. There might have been something special about that sheep. It may have been a ram or something. That sheep had a deep connection with the shepherd for some reason and in some way. Because the shepherd was concerned, broken, by this sheep wandering off. And I was puzzled. Well, you wandered off to one, but you left 99 to be open to the wolves. That, that gives me an indication that this particular sheep had something that the, the shepherd found extremely appealing. And so he wandered off to find it. Story says that he found the sheep and he carried them back on his shoulders. And amazing, the 99 were still there. And he began to rejoice because he had found the lost sheep. His heart was filled with, with joy. Second story we pick up is the story of the lost coin. This is a lady uh, that had at least 10 coins and she lost one. And there's no indication where she lost it, but she lost it. Maybe in her house or maybe where she was living. But again, this coin was more special than the, the rest she had in her pocket or in her purse or wherever they carried them in those days. And she diligently looked, and I believe asked other people to look for this coin. And lo and behold, it was found. And she too, like the shepherd, became filled with joy when she found this coin. She says, for I have found a coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of an, uh, <laughs> there's joy in the presence of angels over the sinner who repents once. I, uh, my younger days, I had a, uh, a 50, 51 Ford when I was uh, just of driving age. And it was typical 51 Ford that somebody probably owned already for five or seven years or ten years. But that was just in the days when rims were, rims were out of, rims were being made for, for cars. And I wanted to get a set of rims for my 51 Ford that was really good. And somebody told me about this wrecking place uh, a, a number of miles from where we lived that had, that had a whole lot of rims. So I said, okay, I'm going to go there. I went there, and I found four matching rims. Just exactly what I was looking for. They were going to look so good. 
on my car. So when I got back home, I told my friends, you got to see this. you got to see these rims, guys. I mean, these are, these are the rims that everybody needs. And one of my friends said, it's just a rim, Gary. It's just a rim. But to me, it wasn't just a rim. It was the best rims. My friend, I heard this story when I was in the cusp. Uh, he was speaking on a topic, and he shared this story. I said, boy, that really fits in with what I'm thinking. And it was about a friend of his who had this wonderful dog, a big dog of some nature. And he used to, he used to put the dog in the back of his truck and drive around. That was quite common in those days. And so this fellow was driving around with his, his dog in his truck, and he slowed down for some reason, and the dog jumped out of the back of the truck right in the front of wheels of another truck. And so he picked up his dog, and my friend went with him. And as he was going, a couple of other people noticed him and said, what had happened? He told them, and the response to him was, well, it's just a dog. It's just a dog. But to him, it wasn't just a dog. It was his best friend. And so this friend of his who, who had been with him, uh, said, stayed with him, until about midnight that night when the dog passed on. And during that time, this friend of his who was a Christian began to share about God's love and care. But the dog didn't pass away. And it wasn't just a dog. What's the lesson for us as I tell those stories about those two parables? Jesus' priority is souls. Jesus' priority is lost people. Like the lost sheep, like the lost coin. We're just not people. We are people that God loves deeply. Whether we're a believer or not a believer, God loves us deeply. That's the priority of our Savior. It's not just a sheep. It's not just a coin. It's something special. What is our priority? What is your priority? You see, a priority is something that we give special attention to for whatever reason makes it special. Could mean many things. Sometimes my priority of golf probably is too much of a priority. But what is our priority? If we're going to move forward to where God wants us to move, we have to accept and agree with Him. And that lost people are His priority. They're the center of His total existence is that people would find a relationship with God. I came back from, from this camp, the, the Triennial and camp, where we had a great time at, at, at Triennial, of great speakers. 
But the theme, the theme for the, the triennial was being shaped for the new Canada. Being shaped for the new Canada. And that's the instructions we were getting as pastors as we went into breakout sessions and talked about Canada and talked about our communities. And it was, it was a wonderful conference because it was very challenging. It was very challenging because our Canada is much different than your Canada if you're over 50. The Canada today is much different than the Canada of yesterday. But it's the Canada that we're in, it's the Canada where we live, and Jesus desires for us to participate in this new Canada, to participate and care for people in the new Canada, but more importantly, our priority is to reach the lost in this new Canada. And I say to you, my folks, that's not going to happen by attending church. Churches, many people in Canada today, particularly those who are first, second, or second, third, and fourth generation Canadians, they have no desire to go to church. That bothers me. But it's the truth. When you think about those who are coming to the church, in this new Canada, you will find them ethnic people and immigrants. They're who's coming to the church because they want to learn what we know. They want to understand who we are. And so I say, if we're going to move forward, we need to move forward with a sense and a priority for the lost person. I got lots of pictures from Josh. If, if you're not on... Facebook. You need to get on just to get his pictures. Because there's a lot of them. And it tells the whole story of our people in Romania through picture. Which was pretty exciting. I'm still a little frustrated with Josh. Because even when he goes to Romania, he wants to make me look bad. I figured if there's any place where Josh is going to speak in, in comfort clothes, it's going to be Romania. Not a chance got the suit, got the tie. I thought, oh man, always putting me, you know, always looking better than me. But that was a wonderful experience, and I know we're going to share that on September, what do you say, Art, 16th? September 16th, we're going to dedicate the, most of the service to the Romania team for them to share what, what God did through them. And I'm excited to hear the stories. Because the pictures tell a lot, but boy, when you hear the stories, that's going to be a great thing. But why did they go to Romania? Think about it. Why did they go to Romania? Because they wanted to introduce the lost to Jesus. That's the bottom line. Why they went. And I know God will honor that for what they did. What about us? You see, my friends, traditionally, and I'm part of that tradition, and uh, by the way, Ryan will be starting on the 21st, uh, our associate pastor, and uh, we will be then making our, our way into the future with, with Ryan. And uh, I know many people who don't want to hear this, but I better take a drink first. 
You're saying, Pastor, what's in that can? Many of you don't want to hear this, but as Ryan begins to mature himself and understand our church, the church, I will have to decrease and he will have to increase. I know folks don't like to hear that, but that's, that's what it is. I will be sad, but I'll also be happy. But that's not going to happen for a while, so don't get too excited. But one of the reasons that excited me about Ryan is his love for the lost. His love to reach the lost and be part of their lives. Priority, folks, is the first is P for par. The second one, A, is for attitude. Attitude. The Bible says in Luke 15, which I read this morning, I tell you that in the same way there will be met there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need repentance. Let me read that again. In the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Do we, can we get a picture in our mind what happens in heaven when someone comes to know Jesus? It says, heaven itself begins to rejoice. I'm afraid, you need to take a picture of these parables in a, in a unique way. This, this parable really relates uh, to Jesus calling, this, calling the disciples and, and beginning to speak with them. But the story within the story are the disciples that God called. He called Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a person that everybody in that day hated. He was despised. One, one person I read when I was reading about Matthew suggested that Matthew, the tax collector would be on the same beach that the fishermen were fishing, but they'd be apart because the fishermen hated the tax collector because he was taking money from them. And so they're both on the same beach. But then Jesus said to Matthew, you know, come and follow me. Simple words, not very complicated. But because the presence of the Holy Spirit was there at that time surrounding Matthew, the Bible says he immediately left his post. He left being a tax collector. And then he went on to say that if I have, if I have robbed you in any way, I will pay you back double. After he found a relationship with Jesus. We need to have the attitude about ourselves that Jesus is in the business of changing people. Jesus is in the business of changing people that we perhaps don't want to have much connection with. Because Jesus cares about all souls. 
we need to have that same kind of attitude. I have to be honest with you. There are some people that I spend time with that I don't like. I, I really don't like them. And they don't like me either. But I desire to spend time with them anyway. Because my desire is, is that they would find Jesus. Not find anything in me, but that they would find Jesus. Matthew and the disciples, I think, when they first got together, particularly the fishermen, John and, 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 and Peter, I don't think they probably talked to each other at first. Because they did not like each other. But when Christ comes into your life, Christ makes you a light into the darkness. He strikes up a light in your life by filling you with the Holy Spirit and moving you into places, even into places where you're not liked. I often, uh, well, not often, I, on, on occasion, if it's the right cause, I'll go to one of these charity the Texas Hold'em tournaments where you make a donation to the, to the organization and then you spend a couple hours playing Texas Hold'em with people. And I'm a talkative person. And I tell them I'm a pastor. You need to see what the table does. At first we're chatty and talking and friendly and I said, someone might ask me or I say, you know, in my pastoral ministry, total silence. Total silence. And then eventually, every time I win, they'd say, well, sure, you got God on your side. But eventually they begin to listen and ask me questions. And I begin to drop nuggets into the conversation. My attitude is I want to show Jesus wherever I am at any time. But I can only do it successfully under the direction and power of the Holy Spirit because he is the one that brings conviction, not my words. It's, it's, it's funny when you get on that table for a while and they lose a one of the players loses something they thought they should have won, they immediately curse and then look at me and say, oops, I'm sorry. What is our attitude towards the world around us? We can either stray back from it and say, let it just take its role, or do we want to gather in and participate in it? Do we want to be a light somewhere into darkness? Or do we want to cocoon ourselves someplace where the light can't get out. Jesus' priority with lost souls. Our attitude, our attitude must be like that. We must care for people around us. I know that's difficult. But you know, I have some Christian friends who I don't like. I'm not going to tell you who they are because you might tell them. But what is our attitude? Is our attitude that this is what God wants us to be here in this building? Is that what?
what we believe our, our faith is all about? It's great to be here, by the way, Jason, great this morning. Good songs, good worship, good message. I thought I'll just sit here and let Jason speak. But what is it? Is this what it is for us? If it is, we're missing the boat. And it all begins with attitude. What is our attitude? The final is response. P, priority. A, attitude. R, response. I really don't have much to say about that except what Matthew said. Go. Go and tell the world, making disciples, baptizing them. You see, our response needs to be that. I'm willing to go. I recall one of our church family members spoke to me one day about her being at the doctor's office. And there at the doctor's office, she met a woman and began to talk to her about our church and cranked up a friendship. She had gone. She had gone. When you look at the book, of, when you look at the, the, uh, the Pentecost and you look at the stories that lead up to Pentecost, and you remind, I remind you of that story of Peter and John who had gone through a gate many, 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 many times, but after they had a relationship with God and found the Holy Spirit, they went through that gate with a new set of eyes, spiritual eyes. You see, we need to fill our eyes and our thoughts and our motives with the priority that Jesus has for the church. And the priority that Jesus has for the church is disciple you for what purpose? To disciple you to become a follower of Christ, to be a light into darkness, and lead others, the lost sheep, back into the fold. The lost who don't know eternal life. This is probably a pretty in-your-face message. But you're probably going to get a year's full of them. Because I ain't leaving until I see God begin to work in our congregation in unique and wonderful ways. Like soccer camp. Like soccer camp. Two friends came. Their friend invited them to soccer camp. Two young children. One young child that was there went home and invited his friends back to summer camp the next, next day's soccer camp. It was those two children that found Christ. You get the picture? It was those two children that found Christ. God is working in our midst. God is working in our community. Let's join him. Let's set our priority for the lost. Let's gather our attitude that that's what we're called to be, a light. And how do we respond? We respond by going. We respond by seeing our, 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 our life work for Christ outside of the four walls of this church. 
never, in the four years I've been here with, with the break with Ken, I have never seen us connect more with the community than we have in the last three months, beginning to connect with our community. We had the parents of the soccer kids come on Friday for graduation. They didn't all know Jesus. But we are connecting. And so I say, my friends, why not shoot par? Why not shoot par? Priority, attitude, response. What will your response be? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have desire for each of us. I just pray that we would be able to connect with you, Holy Spirit, so that you can lead us to where you need to lead us, to the people you need to lead us to. And then when we're there, and we recognize in our heart, Lord, that this might be a divine moment, let us not fear. Let us not be afraid of what might happen as we go. But let us go under the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and recognize that he has, that has made that divine appointment for us. Oh, Father, take us and use us and make us what you want to be as your church. And we admit and even confess that perhaps we haven't been connecting. So grant a blessing, Father. Grant power, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your finished work on Calvary. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.